such a joy and honor for me to be here with you this morning. And uh, it is my privilege to be filling in for Brother Bert. Uh, his family and my family have known each other for over a decade. Uh, I met him before uh, I went to Blue Mountain College. And uh, ever since, our families have known each other, and they've been a part of the work we do in India. And so I'm glad to be filling in for him today. I want to thank you as a congregation for allowing me to be a part of your worship this morning. Uh, you have a beautiful church. I have enjoyed being here. You have a beautiful church, and I have enjoyed being here, and uh, I have enjoyed visiting with some of you, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here uh, this morning. I want to thank Pork Chuck for the gracious introduction. Uh, I am grateful that he did not mention my height or weight, uh, <laughs> but it, I thank you for that gracious introduction this morning. I've enjoyed worshiping with you this morning so far. Uh, I've enjoyed your worship team as they led us to worship. Uh, it has been a wonderful experience to sing and to experience the worship here this morning, and I'm thankful for that. Music has a unique way of stimulating us. Music plays an important role of stimulating us. Whether we acknowledge it or not, Music plays an important role in our lives because it is very personal. Music is not something that is corporate. Sometimes when we gather here as a church or as churches, congregations gather, we sing together and we corporately worship, but yet it has a personal dimension. And that is why sometimes you even have churches fighting over the kind of music because music is such a personal thing, and uh, there are all kinds of preferences. But at the same time, music often defines who we are. The kind of music we listen to, the kind of songs we sing, define who we are. It defines our character, it defines our background. If you probably saw me driving down the road somewhere in Tupelo and you heard some weird music, it's probably the Indian music that's going in my car really loud because that's my background. Music, uh, we, uh, music defines our background many times. Music also many times uh, defines our attitude to life. It defines uh, the kind of music we listen to speaks of the attitude we have towards our life and the future and the life that we're living here and now. Many times the music we listen to also defines the mood that we're in. Sometimes we like to listen to upbeat music if we're excited or if we're happy, but sometimes we want to listen to calm and uh, calm music to relax us if we're if we've had a tired day or if we want something to calm us down, it really defines the mood that we are in. Sometimes music, the kind of music we listen to, also defines our circumstances. Maybe if you're in a romantic mood, you want to listen to love songs. Or maybe if you're 
in a worshipful mood, you want to listen to uplifting worship songs in your car or wherever you are. And so many times the the kind of music we listen to defines the mood we are in. Sometimes music also has a way of triggering memories. You can listen to a certain song and it triggers a certain memory for you. You can listen to a certain song and it takes you back to a moment that you remember that was special to you. On September uh, 2nd in 2016, I proposed to my wife to ask her to marry me. And when I did the proposal, I had a song by Frank Sinatra playing on the background. And that song has been and always will be special to us because the moment we listen to that song, it takes us back to that day where I was nervous to death and she said yes. And so music has a way of triggering memories for us. Many times the kind of music we listen to or the songs that we sing also speaks of the story of our lives. Sometimes people listen to depressing songs because it speaks a lot about the story of their life, the depressing uh, story that has been a part of their life, the struggles that they've been going through. And so many times the songs we sing or the music we listen to defines our circumstances or it talks about the story of our lives. My family has an orphanage in India. We have had the orphanage for over 42 years now. And we rescue children from the streets of India due to poverty, due to abuse, and due to trafficking. A few years ago, we rescued a six-year-old girl. Her name is Asha. We rescued her from her father selling her into trafficking. Her own father was selling the six-year-old girl into trafficking just so that he could get his alcohol and pay for his pleasures. By the grace of God, we were able to rescue her and we brought her to, to our home. Asha went through a series of nightmares based on what she had experienced. She, every time she would see men, she would run away because it triggered the memory of her dad and uh, how he was trying to sell her to strangers. And so the moment she saw men, she would run away. She was scared to death to look at men. At night when she would go to bed, uh, she would have nightmares and she would scream in, in her sleep because of the horror that she has faced with her family. And she used to always try to stay away from people. And as time went by, my mom tried spending more time with her to help her understand that there are people that genuinely love her. And she would talk to her about Jesus Christ and how he is the genuine love that we can trust. And he is not like her earthly dad, but he is much better and greater. And she would listen to it, but yet she would have a struggle with all these different kinds that she had faced. 
when we have devotion time with the other children, she would come and sit in the corner of the room and watch and observe everything that was said and done, but not say a word or not even sing a word. As time went by, God began healing Asha. One day, a few months later, as she was alone in a room playing with her toy, we heard her singing these words in the local language, the hymn. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. That was the story of her life. She was not merely singing that hymn because everybody was singing it. She was singing it because she had experienced the power of Jesus Christ in her life. She had experienced the power of the blood that transformed her. She had experienced the power of the blood that where she knew that he is the true, genuine love that loves her beyond everything. That was the story and the song of her life. There is a text in the Bible I want to draw your attention to this morning where actually Jesus sings. If you take your Bible and turn to Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 14, uh, and we're going to look at verse 26. Mark chapter 14, verse 26. As you're turning to that passage, let me give you a little background of that text. Jesus had gathered with his disciples for one last time before he was going to be crucified. He he had gathered with his disciples to have one last meal, what you and I, we call it as the Last Supper. He had gathered with them to spend that precious moments with him. And he had had a meal with them. And he had been teaching the important lessons that he can to his disciples during those last moments because he knows he was not... He's not going to be there too long with them. And he's teaching them everything that is important to them. He washes the feet of the disciples. And he predicts that Judas was going to betray him. And he predicts that Peter is going to deny him. And he has this special moment with his disciples. And when we go to Mark chapter 14 verse 26, at the end of the meal, it ends with a unique text. It says, and... After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The text says, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This, I don't know about you, but this text really intrigues me. Here there was a man who was about to be crucified in a matter of hours... Who is, uh, they just had the most intense emotional and spiritual meal together. And uh, Jesus being the host of that meal, I'm assuming Jesus tells them, let us sing a hymn before we end this special meal. I think it's interesting that Jesus wanted to sing a hymn with all of them one last time before he would lead his disciples through the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane. He wanted to sing a hymn with them one 
last time. Many scholars and theologians suggest that more than likely the hymn that they sang is what you and I know today as Psalm 118. You see, when they had had the Passover meal back then, the Jewish people would sing Psalm 118 after the Passover meal because it was it is a post-exilic song. It reminded them of where and how God has brought them from. And it is not only a post-exilic psalm that speaks of the history of the Israelites. It is also a messianic psalm. If you look towards the end of the psalm, it speaks about the Messiah that they're looking forward to. The cornerstone that had been rejected became the prime, the important stone for the builder. It predicts the Messiah. And so it was a very special hymn for the Jewish people to sing this song. But if you will turn your Bible to Psalm 118 for a while, you will, and if you will read Psalm 118, you will realize how it must have been for Jesus to sing those words. I'm not going to speak to you the entire chapter of Psalm 118 today because it has 29 verses and the time we have is not going to be sufficient. But I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments about the nature of Psalm 118. The nature of Psalm 118, the nature of this psalm is, it is a psalm of gratitude and praise in the face of adversity. The psalm is a psalm of gratitude and praise in the face of adversity. You see, Jesus, it was important for Jesus to sing this psalm with his disciples because he was preparing them for what lie ahead for the rest of the day and what lie ahead for the rest of their ministry. He was preparing his disciples to uh, how to praise and be grateful to God in the, in the face of adversity because the style of their ministry was going to change from that night Onwards, It would be adversity after adversity. And so Jesus was preparing his disciples to face the adversity, but be grateful and praise God in the midst of all of that. Psalm 118 has been a very special psalm to several church fathers. In fact, Martin Luther said this about about Psalm 118, it is said that it was one of his favorite psalms, and this is what he said about Psalm 118. Martin Luther said this, he said, this psalm has been of special service to me. It has helped me out of my great troubles when neither emperors, nor kings, nor wise men, nor saints could help. This psalm served as a rock For Martin Luther, in the hard times that he faced, where no man could be there for him, where nothing was working out for him, this is what 
he leaned on. For our meditation today, and for the sake of time, we are going to meditate on the first verse and the last verse of Psalm 118 today. Actually, the first and the last verse have the same words. And this is what verse 1 and verse 29 says. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let me read it one more time. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. This psalm is an invitation to trust in God even in the face of enemies that have come to destroy. Jesus is teaching his disciples that even in the midst of suffering and even in the midst of death, the most appropriate thing for a follower of Christ to do is to praise him in all circumstances and to trust him in all circumstances, even though it doesn't make sense to us no matter what we're facing. But you might say, but why? Why should we? You don't know what I'm facing. Why? How can I? And why should I praise God in the midst of my difficulties? You might say, Pastor, if you only knew the things that I have been dealing with, if you only know in the circumstance that I'm stuck in, why, why do I need to praise God in the midst of my adversity? Why do I need to praise Him and thank Him for what I'm going through? Let me give you a couple of reasons why you need to do that. First of all, you need to do that because singing praise to God in the midst of your adversity is an act of defiance against evil. Let me repeat that again. Singing praise to God in the midst of adversity is an act of defiance in the midst, in the face of evil. When you praise God and be grateful to Him in the midst of your difficulty, you are telling the evil one, no matter what he does, he isn't going to shake you. If you remember the story in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are imprisoned in Philippi, They've been flogged and they've been, uh, they have shackles on their feet. And they're in the middle of a dungeon, in the middle of the night. The Bible says Paul and Silas started praying and singing praises to their God. And there was an earthquake in that place because of their attitude towards the circumstance that they were in. Even the ground shook out of praise and adornment. Even the ground shook to acknowledged the praise, even the ground shook and could not hold them as prisoners anymore because they chose to praise God in the midst of their imprisonment, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their suffering. Many times when we go through difficult circumstances, it feels like God has somehow distanced himself away from us. As a pastor, I have had this question asked Again and again and again, no matter what part of the world I am in. When someone goes through difficulty, many times people come and ask me, why has God distanced himself away from me? 
I've been praying this prayer for such a long time. It feels like he's not listening to my prayer. It feels like my prayers are bouncing off the walls. Why has God, God distanced himself away from me? Can I tell you something? God never distances himself away from you. That's his promise to you. He is a God who keeps his promises and he never leaves you nor forsakes you no matter what circumstance you are in. But maybe sometimes we feel the distance because we have distanced from God. I read this funny story a while ago about an elderly couple that were driving along the highway. They had done their weekend shopping and they were heading back home. And the wife looked at her husband and said, Honey, you know, things have changed a lot since we've been married. And he said, What do you mean? She said, You know, when we were married, we were sitting so close, we didn't want to sit apart from each other. We were holding hands, we were hugging. It didn't matter if you were driving, it didn't matter what you were doing, but look at us now. You're sitting there, and I'm sitting here. And he looked at her with a sarcastic look on his face, and he said, I ain't made. You know, many times we look at the face of God in the midst of difficulties, even though that might be a funny story. We look at the face of God in the midst of difficult circumstances, and he, we say, God, where have you gone? And he says, I'm right here. I'm right here no matter what you're going through. I've been hearing every prayer that you're praying. I've been watching everything that you're dealing with. I'm right here. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm right here. You see, we should not allow our circumstances to be the judge of who God is. God is beyond that. And he is a God who keeps his commandments and his promises, unlike us human beings. Another reason we need to sing praise to God in the face of adversity, it, singing praises to God in the midst of adversity is an act of defiance when we praise him in the face of evil. We're telling Satan, it doesn't matter what I am facing. You know why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. No matter what my circumstance, no matter what Satan brings your way, when you look at, uh, when you look at that adversity and when you start praising God, you're, you're looking at Satan and saying, I'm praising God. You know why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. When you praise God in the face of evil, you're saying, uh, I'm praising God because the, the, not only because the Lord is my shepherd, but because he is, he, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil because his rod and his tap, they comfort me no matter how lonely I feel, no matter how hard my struggles are, no matter what I'm facing today. You, when you praise God, you are looking at the face of evil and saying, Oh, even though I walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil today. I fear no evil today. 
there's one thing that you want to get out of Psalm 118, out of the message this morning, this would be it. So listen to me really carefully. This psalm teaches us to look beyond our circumstances and not allow our circumstances to dictate our trust in God. Let me repeat that. This psalm teaches us to look beyond our circumstances and not let our circumstances dictate our trust in God. My friend Johnny Hunt often uses this statement when he speaks of making sense of God. He would he said if your theology is based on your circumstances, you will come to the conclusion there is no God. Don't you ever, ever in your life judge God based on your circumstances. Because He is beyond those circumstances. Because He is more powerful than your circumstances. And He sees more than what you see in your circumstance today. The moment I would never forget in my life, for the rest of my life, was the time when my dad had cancer. And it was close to the time where he was going to die. And as the time got closer, he suffered and suffered more because the medications he was taking was not helping him very much. As a pastor who knew everything there is to know about pain and suffering and salvation and heaven, our hope, it shook me up to watch him suffer the way he did. I remember that one day when he was suffering so much before he passed away. I took my car, just drove to a lonely place, and I wanted to have a, a time between me and God, and I was going to figure this out. I was going to set this straight because the suffering that he was going through did not make sense to me, even though I knew all the answers from the Bible. And there I was praying and trying to debate and trying to get an answer from God. And I heard these words, and I will never forget these words for the rest of my life. He said, don't judge your dad's suffering to who I am. I am beyond who he is and what he is facing. I don't know if that makes much sense to you this morning, but it shook me up to realize I had been focusing on my dad's suffering and I had been consumed and forgot that my God is beyond that. He's stronger than that. And there's nothing that he allows our way is that is unjust to us. He is always in the midst of our circumstances. There is another thing I want to tell you. Singing praise to God in the midst of your adversity is not only an act of defiance against evil, it is an act of trust in God. When you sing in the midst of your circumstance, when you praise God and sing to Him and lift your voice up 
you are saying, God, what I'm facing right now may not make much sense, but I choose to trust you in the midst of all of this. I choose to follow you even though the future may seem so uncertain. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, life is not a problem to be solved, but it is a mystery to be lived by faith. It is not our job to try to figure out life. We will never do that. Philosophers have tried that. Theologians have tried that. Scientists have tried that. People all over the world have and still are trying to figure out life. But we were not created to figure out life. We were created to trust Him and live by faith alone. Knowing that we have a Heavenly Father whom we can trust no matter what comes our way. And so when you sing praises to God in the midst of your circumstances that don't make sense to you. It is an act of trust. Imagine the first verse of the psalm that we just read in the context of Jesus taking his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be arrested in a few hours and be crucified. He is he chose to sing with his disciples give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his loving kindness is everlasting and it is that same human side of him that went to the garden of Gethsemane and he looked up to the father and he said father if it is your will let this cup but nevertheless, not mine, but your will be done. He was able to say that because he not only sang this Psalm 118, he meant what he sang. He meant, he believed that the Lord is good and his loving kindness lasts forever, no matter what lay ahead of him. Even though he was going to be crucified, he was going to go through the suffering, no matter what, he chose to say, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. That was the heart of Jesus and that was the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. One of my church members in India passed away this December. Her name is Muniamma. She has a very unique story of how she came to faith in Christ. About two years ago, we were doing baptisms during Christmas. And I was scheduled to baptize 28 people. And the, the day before we baptized, we did the baptism, Muniyama's son came to us and he said, I don't want you to baptize my mother because my family have been, have been Hindus all our life and I don't want my mom to be baptized. And he said, if you baptize her tomorrow, 
your church will face the consequence because we will make sure we create a problem in that village. So we had gathered together and talked about it, and we decided maybe we can baptize Muniyama uh, on a different day after we've made peace with her son. And Muniyama is a 75-year-old woman who couldn't hear much, she didn't understand much. And on the day of baptism, I had baptized 27 people, and I was about to walk out of the baptismal tank, and I hear a voice from the congregation that said, wait, you haven't baptized me yet, and it was the voice of Munyama. And so when she came forward, I explained to her, I explained what her son said, and how we decided that we were going to make peace with him and maybe baptize her the following Sunday. Munyama said, I don't care what my son thinks. I trust in Jesus Christ, and I want to be baptized now. And that was the first time somebody forcefully walked into the baptismal tank in, my, in the history of my ministry. And she said, baptize me now. It doesn't matter what my son and I had the privilege of baptizing her. Ever since then, her son has been very hostile. He has been ill-treating her because she took the baptism beyond his words. She, he would hardly feed her, and many times our church would provide for her. And early last year, she developed a tumor on her neck, and it was cancer. Her son would not take her to the doctor or treat it or allow anybody to take her to the doctor because he wanted her to suffer and die because of what she did through baptism. In the midst of all of that, Munyama chose to keep her faith. She lived alone in a small room. It's hard for me to explain. It is a room probably as big as the piano. It's a small, small room. That was her home. She lived there by herself. Her son would occasionally take food and place, place it at the doorstep like she was in a prison or something. And that tumor kept getting worse and worse. It got infected. Uh, I don't want to be very graphic. It got so bad to the point where you could see worms out of that tumor. She was suffering in pain. And you will hear the testimony of her neighbors saying, in the midst of that pain and agony, she would talk to her God, praise Him, thank Him, thank Him that there is salvation through Jesus Christ. In the midst of agony, she chose to praise God. To make a long story short, Munyama didn't survive too long. She passed away this December. Even before she died, her neighbor said, the day before she died, she prayed a prayer loud enough for the neighbors to hear, saying, God, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for saving me. Take me home.
this defiant son who never cared for him, after he had, after she had passed away, realizes the kind of faith and the kind of God she was worshiping. And during her funeral, her burial, he surrendered himself to her. God does not know, you don't know, what God can do when you sing praise to him in the midst of your adversity. There is more in the baggage than you realize. There is more at stake than you realize. It is beyond what your eyes can see. It is beyond what your mind can perceive. A wise man once said, a bird sings every day not because it has figured out all the problems of life. The bird sings just because it has a song to sing. This morning, you and I have a choice to make. Do we, are you going to respond to the circumstances of your life with a song of fear? Are you going to respond to the circumstances of your life with a song of complaining and ungratefulness? Or are you going to respond this morning to your circumstances through, with a song of faith and gratefulness? Let us pray. Our gracious God, and loving Father. Help us to sing to you a song of gratitude and faith in the face of adversity. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond. You can either respond this morning to God with a song of praise and gratitude you can respond to God this morning through complaint. But no matter what you face, you need to understand, as the psalmist said, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His loving kindness is everlasting. So would you respond to this morning?